Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Thursday night segment of The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live right here on the United Public Radio Network and UFO Paranormal Radio Network 105.3 and 107.7 from the beautiful city of New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee who have been a part of our Outer Realm journey since day one. So thank you, Folgers. We appreciate you so very much. Also, big thank you to Justin Snicker, Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon, uh, who is an award-winning composer of Halloween, horror, sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music. And he is the voice that you hear on our intro. He is the inspiration and the, the music basically behind the intro and outro. So we're very, very thankful to him. Also big thank you to artist Steve McGinnis, who is responsible for the artwork that you see um, with our logos and so on. So big thank you to him as well. Uh, tonight, The Outer Realm welcomes the really awesome collaboration with our dear friends, uh, Hamilton White and Richard Stanley, who we're just waiting for everybody to chime in now as we wait. And um, it's going to be really informative and a lot of fun. So we're hoping that you can all chime into the chat room, which I see you are. Uh, and I'm going to remind everybody that here on the soundboard, we have eight different chat rooms. And with these chat rooms, unfortunately, it's like a super highway with eight lanes that are essentially coming down into one. So we're going to do our best um, to get to everybody, um, you know, as, as quickly as possible. But we do have to keep in in line with what is actually being spoken about. So bear with us, please. And the, let me see, the chat rooms tonight are in. Let's start with Facebook. Joe Montaldo, UFO Undercover, Canada's Most Haunted, moi, Michelle DeRoche, News on the Flip Side, The Outer Realm, of course, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, United Public Radio Network. Uh, then we jump over to YouTube for The Outer Realm, UFO Gods and Extraterrestrials, and UFO Paranormal Radio. So that's where you need to be to be able to chime in here. So with that being said, I see people chiming in. We've got Zach Mann. How's it going? Tamara, of course. How's it going? Marcus, hello. Uh, Ken Keezer, hello. April, hello. Wayne, hello. So I see Hamilton's here, so we're just going to bring him on while we wait for Richard. You ready, Hamilton? Just nod. Good. All right. Yeah, we're dancing. I love it. Hey there. How are you? Greetings, Folgers Poster Boys here. Ah, yes. Ah, wonderful. There we go. I've done my <laughs> plugging already. Keep everyone happy. Oh, of course. You know it. You've got the real deal cup, too. I had to I know, it's fantastic. How's life? <laughs> it's good. It's good. You know, it's, it's busy. It's crazy. But that's the way it goes. So, you know, how about you? 
Ah, old and tired. Old and tired. I'll old be glad when this year's tired. over. I'm, I'm kind oh. of done with 2022. I really this is am. not good. This is not it, good. I don't know. It just seems that the last, I don't know, six, eight weeks, for every day some new creature crawls from under a stone just to make my life difficult <laughs> and create another problem. You know what I mean? It just, it just oh. seems to be one of those little little periods of time where you just sort of think, oh, what am I doing? doing? So, Hey-ho, I'm sure it'll pass anyway. Oh, um, I don't know. The, the world is getting crazy here by the day. I'm resending the link to Richard, which is what I'm doing, if anybody's wondering here. So we're going to uh, I've, I've just got him on my telephone. Okay. Uh, I've sent it hint to him again. Okay, hang on. Let's see if you... Sorry, you guys were actually it. together. I sent it together, so I figured, oh, okay. Oh, oh here we go. Yes. Good. I'm, okay. I'm ready, willing, and available. I will roll the smoke and bide my time. That'll be Richard then. He's got the message. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. So you're I'm... holding the fort while Amelia's doing the family stuff and being stressed. Amelia has sent her love, of course, and yes, it, it's sort of that's sort of the way it goes. She's got a lot going on, and I didn't want her having any additional stresses. So I'm like, we'll be yeah, here when sense. you get back. Just go do what you got to do. Yeah, definitely. I, I've had a couple of messages from her, and she's just sort of said, "Well, you know, we've explained the situation, and I, I, I can't remember what I did, but apparently, I'm getting some free chocolate bar sent to me, which is always good." <laughs> the chocolate's always so, good. <coughs> I got some. Uh, she said she'd been shopping on the internet. <coughs> so I. Yep, and if she's in chat, and she says she misses you. Here we go. Oh, excellent effort. There we go. Oh, oh and here's your compadre. Oh, no, oh there he is. The gang's all here now. <laughs> oh, good evening, one and all. So good to be back. Hello, hello. <laughs> nice no, to have you. Um, um, Amelia joining us. Nope, Amelia is off. She's in chat, but she's off because she's got some family stuff going on. So we, Hamilton and I were just talking about that. We're like, okay, we're going to take off the, the work pressure and tend Definitely. to everything that's going on. Her daughter is having um, a kidney transplant next week. So oh it's, a, yes. So it's, it's a yeah. very, it's a very, um, you know, um, stressful time. And I'm like, we'll be here. Don't worry about it. But she's in the chat room. Here we go. Oh, there we go. There Greetings. we go. She'll hang yeah, as she can. Yeah, and take it, take it easy. You know, has... Amelia, if you were here, I'd have worn my scarf. You know, uh, my <laughs> you scarf did a grand tour of the south of France recently. <laughs> That's cool. I saw it. I was on you. Yes. Yeah. I came in to say Happy New Year. Too good. Oh God. So, what what do you need to know then? What do I what need, to, need to? I want to know everything. Who are you kidding? It's me and three million other people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what don't we I, want to know? Okay, well, look, question, because I did see most of last night's show. Richard, the the Bleeding Stones, what's the yeah. name of the cave yeah, they Jim come out actually, of in France? Jim's, oh, Jim was on like last that. night and he's watching, he's ah. he's watching, he follows Richard very closely. Ah, cool. So I was watching it and I I know I just I couldn't remember the name of the caves where the stones came from. Okay, so it's a bunch of caves in the uh, in the Ariège. Um, we believe there were all one cave back before the Ice Age, 
but um, at the time of the last ice age, a massive glacier um, carved out the valley of the Ariège and cleft the cave system in half. Right. So now half the tunnel entrances are in one side of the valley and half in the other. And um, I think they were all connected into yeah one vast system of which um, the best known part is the Lombrive, which is um, open for tourism, which was the largest limestone system in Europe until a few years ago. But wow. has um, subsequently been dethroned by um, a more recent discovery in the zone, which is even larger. I think the Lombrive's about six or seven miles long. But wow. um, since then, they've found a system near the coast, <laughs> which is about 23 miles long, which is um, absolutely massive. And um, specifically, Otto was obsessed with um, the Grotto of Fontenay. Right, and why? Um, yeah, why Fontenay, that's, why that's um, which um, he connected with an identically named cave in um, Wolfram von Eschenbach's um, 12th century um, troubadour romance, Parsifal. And, right. Um, yeah, a lot of um, Otto and also um, Otto's mentor, um, Antonin Gadal, who went on to become kind of a spiritual figurehead to the um, European Rosicrucians, um, heavily um, excavated those caves and also excavated um, Fontenay. And, and what, were they, what, what were they looking for, dare I ask? Well, I think they were very, very obsessed with the um, with the Cathar story and believed that um, after the um, the genocidal um, crusade against the South, that the um, the heretical faith had continued to survive literally underground in the um, in the caves of the Ariège. But mm. there's also a very, very specific myth which we can't source. We don't know who started it. And oh. um, I don't know whether it's a myth or a reflection of a historic fact, but it's yeah widely believed that um, after the fall of the castle of Montsegur, a party of people um, smuggled the remaining treasure out of the castle. There's a story about the three people who were lowered by ropes down the sheer side of the mountain the night after March 16th, after the, after the burning. And mm -hmm. um, um, who allegedly escape across the um, the Tabor, across the Pic de Saint Barthélemy, down mm -hmm. to the valley of the Ariège, and then, according to um, at least um, the 19th century French historian Napoleon Peyrat and Maurice Marg and a lot of people who off on on Peyrat's work, um, they were supposedly entombed alive in a cave system in the Ariège. So obviously, mm. if you've um, borne the holy treasure out of the castle and then um, you're, you're trapped in a cave system, the notion was that the crusaders didn't want to follow them into the cave because it's too easy to defend. Right. Um, the entrance is so narrow that you can't get a whole army through it. And if you're going to send one person in at a time, it's very easy to, um, to defend and to simply mm. kill them if they come in the mm. door. So right. the argument was that rather than sending troops in after them, they simply buried them alive by bringing down the side of the mountain on top of the entrance. And I think, um, judging by um, what he says in Crusade Against the Grail, um, Otto Rahn probably bought into the story and possibly believed that the original treasure of Montsegur and its guardians were uh, indeed buried alive in a, um, in a cavity somewhere in the Ariège and perhaps hoped to, um, yeah, mm. to find the, the full treasure, possibly the lost book of the um, of the Cathars, whatever that book was, the um, the book right. of the Seven Seals, which went missing at that point in time. Well, what do you think? 
Um, you, well, <laughs> your thoughts on it? Do you think they're there? Do you think the all this information is hidden there? Is that what, is one of the things that makes Mutzinger so special? One of the things that's changed is since um, Heron's day is um, thanks to um, carbon dating and the better grasp of history, mm. we now realize that um, these cave systems have been continuously inhabited since um, Cro-Magnon times, since the dawn of man. Oh, really? And, wow. Um, the Cathar story occupies a very small bit of history. It's uh, it, it's just a period of yeah, 100 years and really just a period of about 30 or 40 years during the actual persecution when this could have happened. But if there's literally um, thousands of years of human traffic um, through these same sites. Mm. Um, there's nothing, there's, unless there's more archaeological investigation, it's difficult to say whose relics we're actually dealing with. It's quite possible that um, Otto and Gadal um, <clears throat> attributed everything they found to to the Cathar story, but might well have been finding relics that were um, that predated the story by a, a long period of time. It's so, fascinating. Yeah, that's it's certainly fascinating. where the where the bleeding stones came from. Um, wow. They came out of the caves, and we also retrieved quite a number of them from the bed of the river from the bottom of the um the gorge of the Ariège, which I think is to do with the sheer depth of the gorge. My um suspicion is that if it's meteoric debris, then it um probably lay hidden in the deep strata of the earth for millions of years and then was um only came to the surface when the glacier carved out the valley. Right. So um, yeah it's it's in the lower levels of the caves. Um, and these uh, are these stones what make them what makes them more like more special, let's say, than a typical meteorite? Well, the, what makes it really special for me is to date, um, yeah. I have not yet been able to place them within any known human taxonomy. I would very much like somebody to classify them, um, to tell me what they are, because until they're, um, somebody is able to actually identify these things, which means conducting a spectrograph and mm. figuring out the chemical density of the stones, right. there's still a very real possibility that they could be a hitherto unknown mineral element or um, something which is uh, at this point in time, yeah, unknown to, to human science. So I'd like to kind of um, cut that Gordian knot at some point before I die and actually see if anyone can identify the darn things to start off with. Right. Um, beyond that, they've got um, a number of um, bizarre properties. They're highly magnetic. They, mm. they, they magnetize. They're superconductive. They're a form of um, super dense iron where mm. it's superconductive properties. They, um, they don't rust but um, secrete this ferrous solution, 99% pure iron, which um, is pretty much identical to um, to human blood. So, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what he was talking about, that they they sort of bled red, you know? Um, yeah. Unusual. It's about the same shade red as your hair dye. I like it. It really is. It's, it's just that color, <laughs> right? It's the most Does it bleed this thing. kind of red? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, It really is the most peculiar thing when you see it because, you know, you sit and hold them and nothing happens. You know, you can sit there for the next 20 years. Right. But the slightest bit of aggravation <laughs> rubbing them together, right. well, this stuff just appears out of nowhere. I mean, it really is very, very odd. But mm. I don't know. It's just the way it is. And 
Am I right, Richard? It's they're only found down in the Ariège. They're not found anywhere else. Thus far, I've not um, found a specimen of this particular um, ore or whatever the substance is from anywhere else. Okay. Um, so um, I do hear stories about um, black stones and meteorites from all over the world. And mm. I'm personally curious as to whether the black stone of the Kabar in Mecca is the same substance. Oh. But I'd have to literally take the hadge yeah. and then I'd have to literally um, run the risk of having my head cut off or something. Mm. To try <laughs> to yes, that's right. The composition of the black stone of the Kabar is yeah, beyond my means, but it's frequently suggested that it's the, um, the same substance. And um, we hear stories about the Dalai Lama having dojes made out of the subject, the substance as well. But again, um, mm. unless I'm actually able to um, to test it in some way or to um, get a sample, it's um, it, it's it's all myth. I, I didn't believe in these stones myself until I literally had them in my hands and saw them bleed. At which point, I had to um, basically revise my opinions on it. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah a lot of people are chiming in. So it's fascinating. The stone should be examined by a geological lab, which is pretty much what yes, Richard is saying. And Tamara says, so the stones are not known or classified. Yeah, I mean, we all we know them by is by their mythological or their um, designation as lapis exilis, the stones from the sky, right. which is really the name that comes down to us from um, from Parsifal from the um, the twelfth century. Right. And lots of people, including our um, dear late friend Annika Corman, um, yes. suggested they were a form of hematite. But um, I, I don't believe that. I don't mm. think they are hematite. And mm. um, I've given um, samples to a lot of reputable people so far. So you um, have access to other stones then? Like you do have samples of them? Yeah, le less and less over the years because yes. every time I give away you samples, you can't find them. them. <laughs> yeah. They yeah. never come yeah. back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Usually two go away at the same time because you've got to rub two together to um, to create the um, the, the desired effect. And thus right. far, I've given them to the meteorite department at the British Museum. I've given specimens to the BBC. I've given specimens to the History Channel. Mm -hmm. I've given specimens to people at Cambridge. And each time the same thing happens. I'm stalled for um, people uh, for. A six months, a year, for two years, while people say that they're they're waiting to get the spectrograph done, and then sure. usually, the sample, usually the mm. sample gets lost. You you oh, know it's, it's something special if that happens. And thank you, Kenny. I'm thank you for the compliment. Kenny loves my hair. Just saying. <laughs> thank you very much, Kenny. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, all I was trying to do was remember the uh, the name of the cave, which it escaped me last night. But I think Richard can probably tell you a bit more than I can. So well done, Rich. Well done. <laughs> oh my! Oh, God. I don't know God. what this is. Uh, I, I have no idea what this comment is. But what's, what's coming up? It looks like a little bit of maybe, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yes, it's okay. an answer we're soliciting. Sorry, guy, not a thing on the show. <laughs> um, so Tamara's saying, so could they be Middle Eastern, possibly? Hmm. Wouldn't have thought so. I mean, 
they're obviously natural to the area. They certainly haven't been imported from some other country and dumped there. I mean, right. it's a meteorite shower. It's a, mm. a natural formation. I, I don't think that, I don't know, it wouldn't make sense to me to think that somebody's hoovered them up in the Middle East and brought them over and thrown them around. I mean, that doesn't make mm. Right. Doesn't Unless make they were naturally found all over the world is a is a possibility. Right. I mean, it could be that um, they're down there in a deep strata and um, spread over um, quite a wide area, right. and that only in the areas that the um, the glacier was able to actually churn that stuff up. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point in time, we've not successfully identified any any more samples of the stuff from literally anywhere else. And, um, beyond that, I'm, I try to stay on the right side of um, of, of skepticism here, yeah, because um, as we all know, the stones have um, a lot of claims made about them regarding their their healing properties. Uh, I've also seen that in action. I've uh, I've seen people, um, yeah, recover from quite major um, illnesses and as a result of um, you, uh, of mm. putting the um, the meteor blood either in their in their food. I treated my mother's cancer by putting meteor blood in her eyes. And and she, you're wondering why you've never received your samples back. Mm. Yeah, it, 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 it's a it's a curious thing, and then also yeah. um, there's a lot of um, potential military industrial applications for um, heavy mm. stable elements. We do right. if, if it isn't if that's what it is. If it's really mm. a form of heavy metal from um, from deep space, yeah. the heaviest mm. element we have on Earth is um, uranium, uh, which we can um, artificially enrich, and which then becomes plutonium, but becomes unstable and um, basically extremely dangerous. So it's quite possible that um, if we have accidentally um, stumbled over a hitherto unknown um, mineral element, that yeah. it could have um, yeah, tremendous value to, to someone out there. Oh, absolutely. Yes, Ken, that's what we're talking about. Absolutely. All right, another question. The geological landscape around Monsignor is full of what is classified as rare minerals. That is the nature of the mining extensively being done there. It's very irritating, isn't it, Richard? I mean, that they're nibbling away at chunks of the mountain. It's it's, it's not, not a good topic. It really should be stopped. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's a problem we've got all over planet Earth at this point yeah. in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Monster Gore in the zone. We we have a running problem here where um, it seems to, uh, from my limited point of view, I'm, I've been living out here now a bunch of years, so I'm half crazy. Uh, right. But uh, <laughs> it keeps running very identifiable plot lines. Every so often, I recognise which which plot line I'm in. Um, that plot line going on in, in Montsegor feels like it's borrowed from Dune or um, Dune or Avatar or Fern Gully. Basically, it's some right. version of the evil galactic empire that's discovered the, um, the substance they really need just happens to be underneath your sacred tree, or in this case, it's yes. underneath. Yeah, underneath the, the sacred mountain. The sacred mountain, yeah. Yeah, and once would... again, uh, a hitherto unknown mineral, a newly identified mineral element, which um, is uh, seemingly unknown anywhere else, which yeah. is a substance called imerys, I-M-E-R-Y-S, imerys, H-A-R-G, is the substance they're pulling out of the Tabor. And what's um, so special about this? 
Um, well, I think they're using it for um, cosmetic makeup. And for, oh, come uh, on. Oh. It's been used for beauty products, ironically. I can't even. Um, can't most even. It's like a non-carcinogenic form of talcum powder. Um, ever since the um, Johnson & Johnson um, class suit um, basically brought to light the problem of talc causing cancer. I think that the talc industry has um, seized on Imrus HARG as a potential um, talcum powder replacement. So it's being um, turned into a beauty product and it's being sprinkled on babies' asses all across the world. Right. But um, in the course of that, they're also <laughs> vaporizing what um, Otto Rahn describes in his book as, quote, surely the most beautiful summit of the Pyrenees. Right. <laughs> Mm. Okay. Are they still actually mining at the moment? I mean, when we were up there, I couldn't quite see what was going on. Are they still actually digging now? Um, well, I think that they've slowed down, which is a good thing. Okay. Mm. And um, I, I believe that the um, the case brought before the European High Court was a, was a was a factor in that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, um, okay. Um, it's, it's basically a Rio Tinto. It's a it's a very large international um, mining consortium who um, have um, basically have blood on their hands on a bunch of different continents and are a um, yeah a, a fairly um, dangerous behemoth to be dealing with. Um, so long as they so long as somebody can make money out of it, um, mm. stuff is still down there. They're going to find ways of um, of getting at it. It would just uh, send me in fits. I wouldn't be able to to watch something like that. I'm so volatile. I'd just be over there lipping off. <laughs> well, yeah, pretty I, much. I don't like that. Yeah, it, I, don't, it really, I don't like it. Yeah, you know, even if you'd lived there, if you'd lived there ten years and saw it happening, it would be even more the case. So mm. it, it certainly um destroyed my life very fast. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have no doubt about that. Oh. Yeah, and ironically, it was also a substance that was sacred to people in ancient times. Uh, I, I say ironically because that's in keeping with, say, um, the spice in Dune or in, um, say, in Hodorowski's Meter Baron series. So there's a substance called epithite that the um, the Galactic Empire are trying to get their hands on, and it's mm. unobtainium in, in Avatar. But in fact, it, because it's a very beautiful white stone and it's very soft like soapstone, Mm -hmm. um the ancient people carved their their mm -hmm. talismans and their mm -hmm. and their their icons out of it a lot mm -hmm. of um sacred objects have been retrieved from you know, graves in the Ariège from literally um around the time of the end of the ice age terrible. which are actually are actually carved out of the substance so it's, it's terrible yeah. absolutely terrible um, let's switch gears just a little bit, um, still keeping, of course, with, with the area. Um, looking forward to, and I've been waiting to hear about Henry Lincoln, your acquisition. Because for those who don't, maybe maybe introduce Henry Lincoln for those who may not. You all should know, I'm just saying, right we there. Can't, we <laughs> can't bring him on because he's dead. I know, but, you know, people should know. He did a lot of research if you're interested in in. For all you Da Vinci Code fans out there, it goes way deeper and way back further than what you guys know. But what I like about the Da Vinci Code is it introduced people to the area. The fact that there was a story, and I think a lot of people became introduced to Henry Lincoln through Holy, Blood, Holy Grail. And at least it gave some kind of awareness 
which he may or the area may not have had before. Now, with that being said, does it mean was is the tourism good? Richard, you work the area, you know, is the tourism good because of it? Or do you sort of wish I would have been left alone? So we'll we'll come to that. But let's talk Henry Lincoln first. Well, I, I thought Henry departed, I think, in was it February this year, Richard? I think he Yeah, it was. It was pretty close to Valentine's Day, I seem to recall. Yeah, I mean he had a, a good innings. He was ninety-two. Uh, and I think pretty much up to the end of his life, he was still conversant and still chatting. And I think his days of writing had ended quite some time ago. Mm -hmm. But Henry as a brand name is still very popular. I mean, there's still the generation of people that read his books 20, 30 years ago. And there's, you know, there really is like this little pocket of mania around henry that <laughs> oh god i mean the messages and things i've had come through from a whole assortment of people because they found out that well i bought his library and his clutter it's quite fascinating i mean i never met him richard you met him didn't you richard a few yeah times. Many times over the course yeah. of the last 30 years yeah i mean you get very mixed reports i mean i heard it Bit he's, uh, I, I don't, he's obviously a fascinating character whatever he was up to and doing he made a heck of a good last sort of 50 years doing it is what i would say about it and i mean if, if you talk to his son rupert i mean he's as bemused by it as everybody else is i mean he doesn't really seem to know what kind of his dad was up to mm -hmm. but um no i mean the long and the short of it is when when henry died they put most of his possessions up for sale. I don't know. I think it was just a closure that the family just wanted the stuff to go. I don't think they wanted it around them anymore. Mm. And quite how or why, I don't know. A mutual <coughs> friend of ours, Sarah, who we see quite frequently in the area, who had known Henry for a long time. Mm -hmm. I don't really know why. I just sort of said, oh, hmm. Why don't you ask Rupert if he wants to sell the whole lot as a package without really thinking through what I'd actually said? And <laughs> the message okay. seemed to come back is, yes, we're receptive to that. Come on down and have a look. Which, yeah, when when was I down having a look? Well, Richard, what was that, about two months ago, something like that, was it? Three months ago? I, I lose track of time. It was, it was, September. September. was it September, yeah, was it? Probably yeah. about Probably about three months. Um, it feels like about a thousand centuries, but <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I, I was under the impression that, oh, there's a pile of books to buy, which kind of sounds interesting. Mm. And then it was sort of kind of said, oh, well, no, you, you really need everything. So I've ended up with his desk and writing tables and crates full of pictures and I think I actually own his bed as well, although it was too big and heavy to get in the van to move. We've got to deal with that at some other point. And getting the stuff back to the UK was an absolute nightmare. I mean, every mortal thing went wrong. But, you know, we, we did manage it. We had a little, little crew. Uh, I had a friend of mine who came and bailed me out and drove the van. And, yeah, I mean, I've spent the last week picking through about a thousand books in my shed, trying to fathom out what I've actually got. And, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing that revolutionary or monumentally valuable, but mm -hmm. it's a fabulous little library of stuff. There's some really interesting 
books of his own there. There's lots of things with his own annotations in and all the books he was doing the research from in the 70s and 80s when he was doing his writing. Mm-hmm. And it just, hopefully, it'll all pan out that it'll all end up staying together somewhere down the line. I, you know, I had grand ideas of what to do with it, but like everything, the spanner in the works is always somebody else, isn't it? But, uh, you know how it goes. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, the important thing is it's a really interesting library it's going to stay together. I've got a list of the few books that have um, that went to other people that some I've already got and most of the others I can replace anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll just be nice if we can, if I can find somewhere to put it and set up a little Henry Research Library or a Henry Room. Mm-hmm. You know, come and sit at his desk, read his books if you're a researcher into these sorts of subjects. Um, you know. Uh, he can live on a little bit. I mean, that sounds a bit poncy, actually. Obviously, he's going to live on because he's dead. But in the sense of he's yeah. he's not kind of forgotten about and, well, somebody has taken the trouble to keep it all together and as and when I drop dead, my library can be thrown in the pot as well and somebody in the future can have a load of books to look through. Right. So do you, it feels as though you're basically... Um... I guess caretaker of, of 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 another era of just you know history of just someone else from the area who started touching um, on his theories as to what everything was all about. I mean, let's face it; he had some pretty interesting. He was a very interesting man. His, his interesting research. You know, yeah, I mean, just for the record, if uh, for anyone out there who doesn't know, obviously Henry's um, best remembered as being one of the co-authors, along with, um, yeah, um, Bajant and Lee of the Holy Blood and the Holy Grail. I've read it. Which yeah, was, I own yeah, it. Yeah, that was the original yeah. bestseller back in the um, in the mid to late eighties that um, first um, introduced most people out there to um, the Knights Templar, to the story of the Cathars. Um, mm-hmm. so- the um the Rendler Chateau mystery. Right. Um given that all three are um really corking stories, great stories that um the book can't really miss, then it goes on beyond that to tease out an elaborate conspiracy which um surrounding the Merovingian bloodline. Right. And claim that the Merovingian bloodline is in fact the um the bloodline of Christ and Mary Magdalene. Right. At which point the book moves into more speculative territory um, mm-hmm. to some extent becomes a, a mouthpiece for Zion, for the Priory of Zion, this um, mm-hmm. ostensible secret society of Pierre Plantard, which seems to have been um, either actively um, colluding with Henry and putting the book together or um, basically using Henry to, um, to, get, to get a very um, particular message before the public. Mm-hmm. It's difficult know to what extent um henry and the priory were um bound up or whether um henry was being um manipulated by them and yeah. um yeah that's beyond that yeah I, that's one of the things i always wished henry had cleared up uh, as to how much of it henry made up himself mm-hmm. as opposed to how much of it was yeah it, it was handed down to him a mm. good example being the coded wren parchments Right. Uh, um, exactly where those came from and who really cracked the code is something which I, gu- I guess we'll never know. Um, right. Henry claims they can be decoded through doing this knight's tour by basically um, uh, 
doing doing a series of knight's moves across the parchment, one um, one step forward and one diagonal. But um, it's pretty much impossible that he could ever have cracked that code on his own. Uh, nor has nor did Henry ever explained to anyone how um, how it could be decoded. Mm. Which is to yeah, basically take his word for it. And in many cases like that, it's the the only logical explanation is he either sucked it out of his thumb completely, or um, or, or he was that information was given to him by someone else, and he spent the whole of his life um, basically refusing to tell anyone um, where mm. it had gone from or um, where he'd gotten it from, thus mm. um, leaving the door open. And beyond that, there's a multitude of different unsubstantiated facts and and statements in the course of Holy Blood, which um, Henry. Mm -hmm. um, and these co-authors never cleared up. Mm -hmm. um, they made a fortune out of the original book, and um, then the book became the um, clearly the inspiration for um, Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code. Mm -hmm. And um, the, the um, in a, a typical Renle Chateau twist, the right. um, Henry's two co-authors got involved in a in a high court action against Dan Brown, claiming that he'd plagiarized their works. Um, it's pretty close. <laughs> it, 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 he clearly did. Yes. I'm, I'm get screwed <laughs> myself by saying that, but it's pretty obvious. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty. I read that and I felt like I was reading the same book almost, you know, twice. I was like, wow. Plus, yet, Dan Brown, yeah, goes as far as to anagram their names to make the name of the bad guy. Oh, um, which is um, pretty cheeky. The first murder victim is called Sonia, so which is a clear is called Bezu, etc. It's really hard to uh, hard to miss all that stuff. But nonetheless, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks to being fabulously badly advised or just totally misled, they managed to lose the High Court case, uh, mm -hmm. which um, bankrupted them. And um, both wow. um, Agent and Lee were literally dead within about a year of the court case. It wiped them out. Mm -hmm. So, um, wow. which wow. sort of bears out the the curse of Rennes Chateau business. Right. Um, I think Dan Brown's really the only person to have actually gotten away with um, trousering money from the mystery and um, living to tell the tale. Well, well sure did. Henry probably did okay out of it in period, didn't he? I mean, you know, he'd. What else did Henry do for the last 50 years that bought the nice house and everything else? You know, it's he had a good little earner out of that, I think. Mm. Yeah, he got a lot of free lunches. Uh, um, yeah, he certainly did. And he ducked a lot of questions by habitually looking at his feet and kind of just grumbling if yeah. um, he didn't want to answer. Well, I have to ask. I mean, the book was written, right? So the basis of the book, I mean, I've been to Ren. You know, I think it's it's a pretty interesting place. I find I find the entire zone to be very very interesting. It's not one spa place specifically. I think you just you just know the the whole area is very special. Um, you know, but I mean, this goes back centuries. You mm. know, the, the whole allure about Ren. It's just it goes back centuries. I I remember just hearing the odd tale even from my own family because it comes from you know we come from the northern France where a lot of the Templars came from. Um, and a lot of the townspeople had saved. They went and bought land around Wren. Why? What would make people want to buy parcels of land specifically around this place? 
Did they know something that the rest of us are still trying to catch up with? You know, like, I don't know. I mean, the, the thing that I found more interesting about Henry's work wasn't so much the sort of the Holy Grail aspect. It was the actual, the geometry that he'd been studying and the, uh, you know, the the pentacle and the placement of things all around the whole area that that to me is far more interesting because there are so many places that are very clearly put on specific points mm -hmm. but why you know and it's not just one or two it's dozens of places that line up mm -hmm. dozens and dozens of measurements that are absolutely spot on identical from one place to another you know, it's. It, I just find it fascinating, and luckily, amongst all of Henry's stuff, were his all his maps and charts with his celluloid drawings over the top of them of placements that we thought had actually gone, but they were tucked under his bed or piled up somewhere. Right. So there's probably I don't know one, two, three, six, maybe maybe eight of his. Um, working drawings with all his geometric shapes and calculations that we've got to sort of flatten out and make some sense of but it's mm -hmm. just i don't know it's just something about the area that is unique you know it's very very hard to say what it is and i don't think anybody knows every ah what have we got there oh there we go look yeah That's something yeah is that yours or mine i can't i don't even know what i've got anymore is that something to do with wow. me that's, that's yeah, it's one of the diagrams. Uh, some there's an awful lot, and that's actually from Woods. Oh, from David Woods. Um, uh, okay. um, we'll get into that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a, I think it's from Woods. Um, David Wood. Uh, um, um, basically, um, corresponding with Henry over the uh, the shape of the basic mm. rent pentagram. Mm -hmm. uh, just to bear out what you're saying about how maybe the most interesting part of the case is the number of maps and um, diagrams and also the number of letters, the um, the, the bits of correspondence, mm -hmm. and the, um, clippings and photocopies folded into the various books. Because yeah. it may take you um, months or years to fully... Um, back engineer what's actually in that hall definitely um is a simple thing like um pencil annotations inside in the margin of one yep. of the books or a, a folded note um yep. can um contain a, yeah a lot of implications mm -hmm. and um i think the people going through henry's um personal effects since he's dead and um any number of people have been through his personal effects before we even set, um, mm. laid our hands on them. And mm. In fact, Henry made the first pick before he passed, and that Henry mm. already picked out all the pieces that he wanted to be preserved to, uh, which he felt were, um, yeah, the core material that would establish his reputation. Mm. And of course, made a very selective choice about uh, what he thought should be preserved. And, mm. um, Clearly, there were whole tranches of material that Henry did not want to have preserved and mm -hmm. which nobody else thought were worth um, retrieving. Mm -hmm. And um, that includes the um, um, David Wood and the Genesis Genocet material because it's yeah. not coming from Henry. People automatically thought, okay, this is not important, so we'll just leave it to lie in the bottom of the box. 
Mm. Which, uh, and yeah, a lot of that stuff raises, um, yeah, numerous questions like mm. um, folded into the, um, yeah, the presentation copy of um, Genesis's correspondence between um, Henry um, David Wood and Kenneth Grant, um, which um, takes us straight back into um, the Typhonian tradition and into, um, into yeah, Crowley and the OTO again. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so all that stuff, um, it's, it's occult trivia, but, yeah. um, yeah, certainly, um, yeah, very interesting and, um, it, it, very provocative. It's, um, difficult to know what those guys were up to. It's also obvious that, um, they were all fighting each other, oh, uh, definitely. from the yeah. ten- tenor of the males, uh, they're often, um, saying, I know what you said about me and, mm-hmm. um, it helps to yeah um the uncensored and unedited residue um not just what henry himself chose but the the entire thing helps give us a um i think a much broader um idea of what was going on in the in the 80s and 90s in the um the early years of this mess yeah i mean i think there's probably about I'm guessing 60 or 70 books that the authors had actually sent to Henry, which were all other people's works on the zone or on Ren Le Chateau or on his theories. And lots of them have got his own little scribbles and comments about other people's work, which is just fascinating because, I mean, there's a couple that are just scribbled no in big letters right the way through the first page as being just, but, you know, it, you, there's an awful lot of research time to sit and go through it and try and put together, well, out of all these books, there are little bits where he's actually almost approving of other people's work. So can you now tack that onto what's already known and somewhere down the line <laughs> make one amendy? But I don't know. I really don't know. Mm. But it was it was just all of the stuff was sitting in the, the sort of stable building of Henry's house or Rupert's house just outside Ren Laban. And it was just like, if somebody doesn't come and shift this, this is all going to get damp and horrible and end up as a worthless pile of papier mache. It would have been so sad. Exactly. So it was, it wasn't a, it certainly wasn't an economic thing to do. And the disasters of trying to rent a van, oh, flipping heck, it certainly isn't a commercial exercise. I'm just putting it down as a a social service, is what I'll describe it as. But, you know, I've come out of it with, a little box of really interesting stuff, some signed books by the authors, and just lots of little interesting yeah. So, you know, it, it's a worthwhile effort. And almost the last thing that came out is, I mean, the, this whole thing started in, I think it was either 1968 or 69, mm. when Henry was just on holiday in France and bought The Treasure Mordit, which was the first little book he bought as holiday reading thinking nothing of it he just bought it in a souvenir shop and the one thing that turned up in a box of junk was the original book he bought in 1968 with his book plate in it signed by henry and i mean that's the book that started absolutely everything off and got him going so it was just great that oh god it still exists and if you watch the tv programs he made 
he's mm-hmm. sitting there in his garden in the Cotswolds holding the little book and just kind of saying, well, here it is. This is what got me going. And I don't know. It's it's worth virtually no it. money. I love but it. It's, it's just great. You know, that's mm. what started the whole Red Le Chateau industry off. And it's just great that it still exists. You know, it could have just mm. so easily been thrown away as nothing. Right. So, so you, yeah, I mean, you feel all like he brought all of that to light. Ren Le Chateau is what it is. Yeah. Exactly. He was instrumental in bringing this little mystery. Yeah. Yeah. To, in, you yeah. Know, to the world. And Henry was instrumental in marketing the Red yeah. Chateau mystery. Uh, mm, the right. Blood of the Holy Grail was also um, instrumental in stapling the Bloodline of Christ story to the Red Le Chateau mystery. Okay. I don't think anyone had proposed uh, that Sonia was covering up the um, the Bloodline of Christ right. and Mary before. Oh, there, that, yeah, there's <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of crazy around that, but there's also a lot of questions around that. Okay, you know, you guys, you you've studied it. You're in, you know, you spend a lot of time in the area, Richard, especially mm. yourself. What are your thoughts on it? Is it a thing, or are we all just did we all just fall into the entire tourist trap? It's like, whoa, it's oh, something. God, what a question. Crikey. I know, but you know, I have my own thoughts on it. I love it. I love it out there. I could, you know, I was looking before the pandemic. I was looking at buying a house down there. And then everything happened. I'm like, ah, crap. I'm just going to stay right here in my nice little, you know, comfy manor house. Well, let's <laughs> say if you stay here for longer than um, two weeks, you'll never leave. Uh, we, we, <laughs> no. we call it a week barrier. I was uh, there for a while. Week barrier, you, you start to there starts to become a real danger that you'll never escape the. I gravity. was not there long cool. enough, and I already knew I was going to buy a house there. And again, the pan- <laughs> pandemic made me not be able to buy a house there. There's plenty, for sale. There's, There's plenty of properties for sale. Um, That's for sure, and property yeah. values are not going up out here. Everything um, sort of hit a plateau, and it, and, uh, um, and technically they're kind of falling, but no one wants to admit it. I just mm. love it all. I love the history. I have, you know, but I have friends and family, like you know, all over different parts of the world, and it's just so hard. But it, I always say I leave a piece of myself everywhere I go, and I bring a piece with me, and it's always near and dear. And of course, you know, I have family lineage from France, so and England. So it's really hard, but I do love the south of France. I do. There's, I love the mountains. I, I love mountains. So, you know, that would, to me was just so, you know, amazing to see them all and uh, the history. You just feel it. it you, you just, there's no way you can help but absorb all of that amazing um, energy of the area. It's mm-hmm. just vibrant with it. So I'll ask again. <laughs> I'll ask again. What are your thoughts with this whole Renle Chateau, Sonia, Merovingian bloodline, the whole nine yards? What are your thoughts? Wow, your question your your question got bigger. It yeah, sure I mean, did. <laughs> Feel free to just throw in whatever. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting that right. a complete new generation are now looking at it because you know Henry and Tim Wallace Murphy and David Woods, who are all now gone, they were the last people that could communicate with the Corboos or people who were actually part of the original story. Right. And there's nobody left now. I mean, as daft as it sounds, like we're the old boys of the, of the network because, you know, Annika's gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there's... It's there, been a great dying over the last yeah. few years. 
for sure. And I would uh, I would add into that mix um, Elizabeth Van Buren, Urani, yes. uh, Little Sorcerer of the River of Colors, mm. um, Alan Farrell, who um, in that work of great mm. uh, um, obsessive mm. compulsive compulsive passion created mm. the whole scale model of Ren yeah. the Chateau and um, in elaborate detail and was one of the yeah I thought, thought the core eccentrics that really gave mm -hmm. that place identity. But yeah, yeah they're, they've all checked out within the within the last few years. That's um, sad. Um, yeah, Ren's lost a lot of its original savor. It's um, no longer the um, the freaky, dangerous, um, mysterious place that it was in the eighties and nineties. Right. Thanks to Da Vinci Code and Henry's work, it's now become a um, okay. a, a slightly past mm. tourist attraction. Yes, uh, which. Mm. Do you feel that's damaged? There is there? a younger generation, though, isn't there? I mean, we we took a day, a morning out to go to Montsegur because Gary, who came over and drove the van for me, he'd never been. And I mean, when we were at Montsegur, bearing in mind it's winter, it's not tourist time, we ran into a couple of young Swedish, a Swedish couple who I would imagine were in their 20s. You remember those people we were talking to in the car park? You know, yeah. It's people 30 years younger than us that are fascinated enough to come and bring their camper van up to Montsegur in the winter and wanted to talk, wanted to know what it was all about. Mm. So there's obviously an intergenerational thing that something has registered that it's going to go on and on. Maybe it's not going to be to the level it was in sort of the Henry days and the Da Vinci Code days, but it's created enough of a legacy that there are still people coming and looking and scratching their heads. And I think it'll go on forever. I really do. Well, no, no smoke without fire. Yeah, uh, exactly. I think, um, mm -hmm. It's quite clear that the, um, the site itself, the place itself is still active. I mean, mm. um, the place is still um, weird as heck. Um, um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's a great kind of weird, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, um, yeah. I, I told Hamilton as we were standing up on the Wren Plateau the other night, and um, we counted, um, I counted 18 pieces of space junk um, falling out of the sky and all heading on the same trajectory, flying over the Ren Plateau and down towards um, wow. Esperanza, towards Montsegur, another one, another one. I literally ran out of wishes. Um, <laughs> all, all long, silent, sparky trails that were there long enough that you could yell, say, look, 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 and give people time to look up, and they'd still be there. So not just regular right. shooting stars. Right. This place is, yeah, full of um, of crazy traffic and, yeah, earth energy, flashes of light coming up off the ground, etc., etc. It's et a very interesting area for stuff like that. Extremely. People have sent me yeah. photographs, um, a friend of mine who works down there, as well a few months of the year and he sent me photographs tons of like with just you could see crafts right over Mutzinger, right over the mountains there's all like he sent me probably three big old clear as day ufo and one is a woman and she's just you see her she's just taking in the energy of the mountain and when you zoom in you just see this big black craft right there i'm like that's what i'm talking about mm -hmm. that's what i'm going for <laughs> you know yeah. but not everybody really digs the tourists and um i remember when i was in carcassonne um i found a pizza place and when i find a pizza place i am there all the time so <laughs> they got to know me fairly well and what, um was it the one in the square by yes. the well 
I love it. And, and an elderly man, like, you know, he, he made the pizza there and he comes out and he had all his, you know, friends back there. And, um, he says, where are you from? And I said, you know, Canada. And he was just like, oh, Canada. He loved it. And, you know, he's just holding my hands and talking to me. And he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, you know, I fly out. I'm going back to, to Scotland. And he goes, well, have you seen anything here? So I'm going to Ren tomorrow. And he goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> We're talking in French, right? Because I can speak French. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, never mind that place. He goes, go over to the Cathar city, go up to Carcassonne. I said, I have, I've seen it. I promise I'll go back. <laughs> he was just really um, passionate about it. And he's just like, never mind, Ren. Like he really, that was not something that he was even interested in, in talking about. I said, oh, you know, have you been? And he was <laughs> just trying to make conversation. And he was not having it at all. He's just like, no, 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 forget that place. Forget that place. Go to the Cathar City. Go to Carcassonne. I said, yeah, I've, I've been. I've been, you know. Well, Ren's obviously gone through a number of um, strange phases. Yes. I mean, <clears throat> I, I certainly liked it better before the tourism industry fully kicked in because I had the privilege of showing up when the um, the Villa Bethany was still an overgrown ruin. Mm -hmm. um, it was the greatest haunted house ever. Oh. I mean, when the when the um, Tour Magdala was still um, a dilapidated, um, closed to the public, um, so that would be left by the diabolic priest, and the, the 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 original greenhouses and things were still there with the original broken glass from Sonia's time and the original wow. furniture and stuff. Right. Um, it was super spooky, you know, just a, a wonderful place. And, it's um, very active. I've I've got this in my you know tourist pictures. Interesting things. I was kind of like, oh, hello. <laughs> and yeah. one was with a photo. One was a photo of Sonia. Okay. So it must have been yeah. the red hair. He's probably thinking, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know, who opened the gates of hell? What is this crazy red haired person? So I don't know, but it was a fascinating photo. Um, yeah. I, I had a good friend in Ren, also dead now. Um, a unknown, um, never wrote a book, a lady named Celia Brooke, mm. who was um, married to um, Marcel Captier, um, one of the sons of the Captier family. Um, and um, yeah, then the town grave digger and the sacristan for the church. This was um, wow. back in, in, yeah, late 80s, um, summer of 1990, um, a long time ago. They both passed now. Mm. But um, Yes, um, Celia absolutely loathed Henry, uh, um, who oh. told me over and over that it was all so wonderful before that horrible little man came along. And ruined <laughs> was um, the first was, time I've heard yeah. that comment. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> very, 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 very Celia um, wow. issues, but um, it has yeah, to be hard. I mean, you can't even go. People who even who live there, you can't even go into the cemetery. It's all no, it's it's all no, too many grave robbers. Ren has had a, oh. a grave robbing problem, probably set in motion by Sonia and Mary Donana, who are robbing the graves themselves. Wow. So it's it's only a sort of karmic that the, um, Sonia's grave ended up getting robbed, and um, mm. Sonia's body was moved from one grave to another and exhumed by one of the town Marys. In fact, it was Marcel Captier who moved it in a wheelbarrow from to from. His wow. original 
to yeah, where to where it is now. Allegedly. In a wheelbarrow. Come on, really? let's go. Yeah, true. Okay. And there's like the the Mary also stole the stuff that was buried with Sonia, which is um you, wow. yeah, when um Sonia's rosary and chapbook and things went missing, and um then there's the matter of Sonia's cross, which um hmm. was in Urani's possession for a while. So really? yeah, at some point Sonia had his own grave robbed. Which wow. is just yeah, half wow. the course. Wow. Wow. There's some that. inside information I most certainly did not know. Wow, well, I that... didn't know that either. God, that's fascinating. What? How did Urani end up with that then? Oh, he, he got it from Elizabeth Van Buren, um, right. which is well, well inside information. But as they're all dead now, it doesn't really matter. Right. Um, right. But it was a dearly cherished gift from Elizabeth. You can see it in the other world documentary hanging to the left of them in the interviews. Uh, it's, yeah. uh, it's never remarked on, but it's yeah, it was Sonia's personal. Well, mm. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. Just, no, I mean, there's just something about the area that it does draw you back. It certainly does. Mm. Whether, you know, it's really hard to explain. It's just a feeling that you get that when you're there, even if you're just walking through the village on your own or walking through Renleban going to get a croissant in the morning, it's mm. just got this kind of something about it that's like, it's just interesting. It's just really hard to try and explain it. You either get it or you don't. That's, you know. that's exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I stayed in a small town called Mouth. And I loved it, uh, you know, because um, I had, you know, a friend traveling. And she's like, I would say, you're my travel guru. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to stay. Make it happen. Nice. And she does. She and she that. goes, I'm going to take you to this cool little town called Malv. And I loved it because mm. the, the building has been redone. And it, it goes back to the 12th century. And then the town, there's only like 800 people in town. And they all put their money together for years and bought the castle. So mm. the building I was staying in. I'd just open the shutters and I'd be staring at this castle. And she says, I'd let you in. She goes, but we have the people from Louvre here. Hmm. I'm like, really? She goes, when we opened it, it'd been closed for a hundred years. You know, she goes, when we opened it, we found the most, what the, the most well-preserved collection of Renaissance art in all hmm. of France. They were saying there was on the hmm. walls. Um, really? so they were in there documenting and doing preservation work on it. And she was showing me photographs. And I was just, I have, I have the book here somewhere. Mm. She said, we, we did a little flyer because so many people who come here are so fascinated with it. And I love Renaissance stuff. So mm. I'm looking at this going, wow. this has been hidden away all yeah. this time. It's probably open by now, you know, because mm. this was a while back, but I thought, how amazing is that? You know, there's little yeah. secrets, little gems that are hidden away and you don't yeah. hear about it unless you're someone like me who I love going to these little obscure, I have to say any place old, if it's haunted, it's exceptional, but if it's mm. not, and this was, which was a bonus, you yeah. know, all night I'm being kept up by walking around going, this is just fantastic. But, um, you know, I just love the history. I love to absorb that energy. I like to just take it in because I'm not a beach goer. If I go someplace, damn it, I want to learn the history. I want to be part of the culture. I want to get into mm. the food. I want to just see the architecture. I want to feel the stone. I want to, that's for me. That's a vacation. My friends made me go to Greece one time on a beach. I'm just like, kill me, just kill me. <laughs> so instead I wandered off and I ended up in this 
someplace in the, the core in Athens and they were digging, they were excavating and I'm just watching them. They're like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, for real? Long nails, everything. Just sat there with my little freaking toothbrush for hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the best time of my mm -hmm. life. You know, that to me, to me is a vacation. So you come into the south of France, any area, and the same when I'm in the UK. You just take it in. There's so much. And how much are we not being told? The tourists are never told. Oh, nothing oh, at all. Nothing at all. I mean, less and less. Yes. Um, which is another reason why I think um, what Hamilton's doing with um, Henry's stuff is vital because um, yeah. th throughout all this, um, I was certainly with the great dying and the, um, the sort of um, <clears throat> the tabula rasa approach taken by the folk who have been... Um, basically manipulating cancel culture to take a bunch of these things down. I've become very mm. concerned about um, making mm. certain that um, for the generations that do come after us, that the legacy of these folk is preserved in some way. Mm. And um, this includes yeah. um, the material from Urani, the little sorcerer. It includes um, the material from David Wood and the um, the Genesis stuff. Mm. Um, Stuff that's not just from Henry. Um, Alan Farrell's work, which really is needs to be out there, mm. uh, which, um, as far as I know, has never been digitized. is completely not available on the internet in um, in any form. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, yeah, just an absolute treasure trove of material. And I would certainly like to feel that stuff will be available in some form in mm. uh, hundred years. Do, do you guys totally feel there's more research to be found within that that same? Like, let's use. Henry stuff, for example, and, and these other people too, if it applies, if there's access, do you think that in their research that there is more information that they just never did anything with that maybe you guys could elaborate? Well, I think, you know, bear in, mind, bear in mind when Henry and his crew were doing their research in the sort of 70s through to the mid 80s really mm. you know they actually had to do the legwork you had to go to an archive you had to sit and wade through books right. for eternity mm. you know doing the same thing today we can all sit at home and fiddle around on google and virtually everything will come up so mm. the lives now are much easier I think what you might find with the likes of Henry's material and the kind of the characters Richard's talking yeah. about mm -hmm. is that perhaps there isn't anything within the boxes of paperwork. But like Richard said, you only need a little scribbled note in the margin of a book that all of a sudden you spotted a connection that wasn't there before that, ah, hang on a minute, I can now sit and Google this, this and this, which couldn't have been done 30 years ago. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's every possibility that some sort of bright spark can start pulling some new things together, but particularly about the whole geometry thing of Wren and, mm. you know, Henry and David would have probably identified as, as much of the measurements as possible. Mm -hmm. But nobody's actually come up with any concept of why. Nobody has. Henry didn't. David Wood didn't. It was just, well, this is the way it is. I think the next step forward is to actually try and postulate on why. Why, why were people hundreds, you know, maybe even thousands of years ago going to so much effort to align all of these strange things and build on specific points. Mm -hmm. I've not heard a single plausible explanation, nothing. There's got to be a reason. 
Mm -hmm. Well, it, it 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 goes off the rails pretty fast um, in terms of what you could what what is considered to be um, plausible, but mm -hmm. um, pretty much um, all of that material goes herring into into pretty strongly occult material, and um, I think um, Woodson folk all arrive at the notion that it's. Um, uh, either that it's left behind by um, some pre-human, um, ultra-dimensional, um, yeah, um, possibly mm. creator species, like uh, mm. something analogous to Lovecraft's great old ones, like Grand Ancien, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, it's some of it's so um, precise that it, you can't move mountains and things around. Some of that stuff doesn't feel oh. human. Um, yeah, exactly. um, time and again here in the zone, you've got stuff where um, there's human remains and human stonework, and it bleeds into natural formations over and over again. Um, the way that rock strata turn into stone walls and things. Um, yeah. Trying to trying to work out what's actually built by human hands and what's not is uh, is tricky. Um, mm. There's um, there's structures out there which are, are super odd, which seem way too regular for to be um, just regular normal geographic anomalies like for instance that um <clears throat> door in the rock that um, i think i showed you last time um very very yes. very yep. yeah very 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 regular um uh, kind of you know, impossible to say whether it's carved or, or yeah or, or or fully natural and um, calcified yeah taken as a whole as well just the it's always been um for me um the, the really more fun than Dungeons and Dragons. It's been one of the best, <laughs> best ongoing um, treasure hunts, um, treasure, uh, um, I guess, live action role playing games that I've ever been part of. Because um, yeah. it, there's, it, a, there's a question just popped up: are, are the measured sites lined up with ley lines? Again, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, has anybody tried to correlate the known ley lines and overlay them against Henry's geometry? I don't know. That would certainly be a fascinating thing to look because, I mean, a ley line, you know, so much in ley lines right across Europe line up. And it, it was the ancient, the ancients way of doing things, wasn't it? It was the power points and the earth energies. Mm. That would actually be a very interesting thing to look at. I don't recall reading anything about that. Now, I'd love to superimpose more of these maps on top of each other. Yeah. It would be lovely to compare and contrast um, the work of, yeah, Urani, who um, mm. Lincoln assumed was insane, with, um, yeah, Henry's work, with, um, yeah, Woods's work. Mm. Um, there was a precursor to all of them, who um, a, a number of precursors, because I think people have been doing this for hundreds of years. Uh, it's only just um, yeah, in in our generation, but there, there certainly have been even um, previous paperback books and the um, mm. four Holy Blood and the Holy Grail that approached the same subject matter. Mm. And yeah, I'm thinking of it. there's a, a, a pretty obscure um, French writer named um, G.M. Dumeru, who's never been translated into English, who was uh, all his pentagrams are monstergore centric. Uh, no, um, Urani swore by Dumeru and had a, a heavily annotated copy of his work, which he was always brandishing and hated um, Woods. And um, Urani's enemy was Bemi, who swears by um, Woods' work and excoriates the rest of the stuff. I think they've been so <laughs> 
each other. I doubt anyone's bothered to um, compare notes and actually um, mm. superimpose the um, the different grids on top of each other and, um, yeah, see what... That would uh, be interesting. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing, you could take that back a little bit further. If you just plotted the positions of all of the sort of Neolithic and Elder Stone circles and the individual mine ears, do they correlate with anything? Again, I don't think anybody's done that, have they? Or not that I've seen. Well, it's a matter also of um, uh, of doing the work. Well, and, exactly. yeah, that's it. Yeah, Somebody's got to do to, um, Trying to plot the position of all those, yeah. Uh, yeah, those stone circles. We, we, we've only identified a handful of those things. Mm. There's there's undoubtedly a, a huge amount of stuff out there underneath the trees and underneath yeah. the mulch of the forest floor that we've got no idea about yet. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> well, I say, if you could plot all of that on a piece of clear celluloid and then overlay that on the maps of, of Henry's calculations and David Wood's calculations, are you going to end up with exactly the same thing, but they're 6,000 years older? We don't know. Yeah, I mean, probably mental. Normal consciousness at the course of it. And I, yeah. I think a lot of folk come to the very edge of this. Um, like I, I imagine I, I'm from what I'm seeing from Henry's notes and um, what he's left to us. Uh, um, he seems to have gone so far um, and that he's, he's able to chart the pentagram and he sees mm. the alignments. Mm. But then I think, I think he stopped out of um, a, a, a genuine fear or an inability to go further into speculating as to how that could be possible. The fear um, to me is interesting. Why do you think yeah, there would be a fear? Um, yeah. so I think it's a step. It's a it's a step into the beyond. It's maybe more helpful if one's a fiction writer. It's a step mm. into a um, into a supernatural um, universe, uh, which um, I don't think Henry was um, prepared to do. He, he kept repeating all he was interested in was demonstrable proofs, mm, which right. Henry's catchphrase. Do you uh, think he might have um, had an experience at all that that maybe gave him, you know, so um, gave him that fear? Let's face it, there's power spots all over freaking south of France, and I would think that Ren Le Chateau would be, be no different because he seemed to put Ren as a bit of a, of a beacon, as a bit of a, like the crown jewel in the whole area, you know, and maybe that seems to be the focal point, doesn't it? He seems to take base an awful lot of his ideas and measurements that that's the focus of everything, certainly. Around it, yeah. It's, it was almost like the jewel and the crown and everything no. sort of stemmed from there. Here, Bart's got a couple comments. He works in the south of France, I think, Bart and Richard. No, yeah. Actually, but, yeah. I'm not yeah. crazy about RLC being so groomed these days and charging admission, yet I still have phenomenal experiences there as an intuitive doing tours. Uh, the one thing I observed was the sites in general are designated to serve the people. There's an element of exchange between sites and people. Well, what's certainly true is that the places remain, and um, the um, whatever telluric or cosmo-telluric um, power or currents that's going through them, that's still active. Um, mm. The Ren Plateau is still extremely active on a, um, a <clears throat> I guess, on an intuitive level, on a, a, a on a. Um, 
a supernatural level. Oh, and, yeah. uh, um, you know, I, I was assuming it was a bit of a busted flush because I'm getting old. Uh, <laughs> unless in the course of this crazy conflict over the last couple of years, I've found myself marooned here in the zone and um, folk have um, reappraised me of um, my errors. It's like, no, come come and take a look. And um, um, being up on the um, rent plateau at, um, say, Elizabeth Van Buren's point when she where she was trying to talk to the space brethren back in the 80s in the middle of a, a, a full-on... Um, crazy electrical storm like I oh, was like the Cassiopeians yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I it, remember that yeah it's really awesome it's still incredible it just, just despite tourism and yeah. I think coming touching on the tourism business one of the um the problems they're having out here which, which um it's part of the area's schizophrenia really is that um, they kind of rely on the tourism, like Rennes got its own little Rennes the Chateau industry going on up there. It does, it does. Rennes yeah. the Chateau wine and paperweights and. I French have to say, I didn't pay anything to go. Like I went in and and I was pretty much, you know, carte blanche. Don't ask me why. No, I don't know anybody no. there. <laughs> Just As it should be. There's there's certain things in life that one should never pay for. Yeah, maybe. It, yeah, I, I I have no explanation. You know, I just sort of walked in and you know, mind you, you know, I was a pretty good patron in the, in the gift shop. So maybe it was just like, oh yes, go on yeah. in. It's <laughs> like great, thank you. Literally got like to see pretty much anything I wanted to see, but um, again, you know, I, I like the art. Yeah, where it becomes um. Yeah, schizophrenic for me is that, and I got this from the mayor, the mairie, from the mayor of Rennes-le-Chateau in, uh, in, in the mairie's words. They want to encourage more tourism, but they would like to encourage more normal tourists. Right. Um, mm. you know, that, I, um, I lose then because I'm so not normal in any way. Yeah, it's just a trick which is impossible really to pull off because uh, regular normal people don't really want to go to um to places which are associated with yeah diabolic um mm. uh, yeah um, medieval mysteries um I regular normal tourists want um want to go to the beaches and want to go to the wine cellars but yeah. they're also kind of terrified of the people who would be interested in the area so yeah. there's, a, there's a, it's tricky they're trying to make it make it shinier and more normal and make but it look people, like anybody who loves a good mystery which would be all over that area i mean it's it's the whole area is just a big place of of history and and what follows some of that is is mystery and ren i think it's because it's been built to be that way of course it has it um you know it's it's a phenomenal energy in that place but then so does the entire area i don't think there's an, any mm. area i was in where i didn't feel just enamored by by how it felt you know but mind you i get really stupid around like gothic arches and uh, you know and 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 stone buildings and i just i, I just love I just, you know, love going back in time. I just love that feel of an area that still feels like it's, you can step back a few hundred years, everything, even mm. to commercialize it, there's still parts of it that you can, you can really feel what it was, you know, and deep down what yeah. it still is. Um, yeah, capitalism can't really destroy it any more no. than the position could destroy it. 
Oh, exactly. The Inquisition can destroy all the books, just like cancel culture, but you can't move mountains. You can't. Uh, you, can't, mm. you can't change the, the passage of the seasons. The sun will still rise in the same place at the summer solstice, regardless of the Inquisition. And the it's oral history. happen once a month, and it's, but you, mm. can't, you can't change that stuff. And those sites are still charged and... Um, yes. A potent place to be, but you need to pass down the information like through oral history. The books will come and go, but I mean, when you you look at you guys, prime examples of history, and your you know your knowledge, that's what people can't afford to lose. I mean, well, often, yeah, it's often bugging me. And they, uh, another problem there is that a lot of it you still actually have to be there to 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 know it uh, like mm. i can't give directions to half these places right and um yeah. even after all these years i'm still um we're still exploring i mean um you're this, still a student um, basically yeah um this yeah. summer i went back up to the devil's lake for instance from the uh, which otto talks about otto ran and um crusade mm. against Rail. It's three and a half thousand meters up the Picti Saint Barthélemy, so right. I try not to go back too often. No, <laughs> um, I, I made a return visit this summer, and um, in the course of it, got lost in the mist on the mountain top. Uh, missed the right path down, ended up on the wrong flank of the mountain, then tried to get back to the Devil's Lake by making a traverse across the front of the mountain, slipped and fell on the front of it, ended up in a valley on the front of the mountain. We just which... can't leave you alone at all, can we? No, but the valley ended up <laughs> in the middle of There is the yeah. valley that Otto Rahn's talking about, and he refers to this enchanted valley and crusade against the Grail. I thought it was a, um, a manner of speech, but but I, I just missed it all those years. It was only when we got lost in the mist and I fell into the damn thing. It was like, oh, damn, okay, this is actually a place <laughs> are. writing part. I've just, you know, up until now, I haven't found the darn thing yet. That's um, funny. <laughs> but I can possibly give you directions as to how to get back there. Right. Uh, there's half a lot of the caves are like that too how do you explain to someone where the entrance is to some of these caves you mm -hmm. you know you go up this path as far as that gnarled tree and then take a left at the rock and then take another right at the tree and um that's stuff <laughs> we only know because somebody showed us um like marcel mm -hmm. the great figure back at the you just have the to do like the indigenous you know create a little twist or a gnarl and a little twin yeah. and watch it grow up to be this big gnarl yeah, little signpost exactly yeah. Well, what, what, what somebody's got to do is get the GPS coordinates. <laughs> what? Um, yeah. That's not fun. Yeah. No, that's okay. No, if you had the GPS, you could create a Holy Grail app. There was... And then you, <laughs> you wouldn't need me or Hamilton anymore. You wouldn't need <laughs> no. to, um, to actually well, tell you where the spots were if you had the grid references. Something along that, the lines, though, it goes, be just, it goes beyond just direction, though. You know, I would want to, to I, I, if you, I would be more interested in just, just show me, tell me, you know, I can retain anything, you know, that's, that is, is said to me. So especially if it's something I'm interested in, which is history, I retain everything. Hmm. Um, Sissy says one has to be. Uh, circumspect there's a dark yeah, side to this not something to fool around with if not informed i agree yeah i agree with that yeah. definitely 100 yeah, percent. yeah we're bouncing around between comments just trying to keep up yeah, um, so, yeah. Um, yeah so 
thanks to Cece as well for buying Henry lunch. Uh, <laughs> 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 yep. <laughs> no. Um, Steve says, you go back, if you know back in ancient times, I don't think they had any way of knowing um, there were actually ley lines underground without being given some type of knowledge and guidance, knowing exactly where to put all of these different structures and stones. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they followed the stars more than they would have. I mean, I don't know, there are power spots all over the world. The ancients knew they would yep. have known where these places were. I mean, they built temples there. They 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 built monuments there. There's got to be something to it there. You know, call me crazy. Um, yeah, presumably they had some form of feng shui, which yeah. is the same thing by another name. That's right. That, that, that could do it. <laughs> yeah, imperial dragon paths. The concept of ley lines, I think, doesn't come along until quite recently, until um, Watkins's book, um, mm -hmm. the um the old straight the old straight track i believe right. is the one that gives it the name ley lines and that's only because he rules a line through uh, all the towns he rules a line through end with the the, the um suffix lay right um, um etc and there's so many lays right. that they became became ley lines and i don't think it was until um somewhere in the um the, yeah the 60s or the 70s with the appearance of the um the view over atlantis that um mm. the ley lines were then assumed to be um currents of um cosmotelluric energy rather mm. than the um navigational alignments but certainly there was stuff before that i mean that's uh, why yeah feng, feng shui and things seem to be driving at the same ideas but through a Yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I've done it. There's a there's an interesting place not a million miles from me, from my house, right. that I was taken up there by somebody, and we did exactly that. We got the dowsing rods out, and you know, without being told, it was like, oh God, this is odd. And I mean, we could plot exactly where they crossed over, and it's absolutely north to south alignment. And mm. you know, it's you don't know what it is or why it is, but there is some form of energy line or earth energy or something and i mean everybody who's been up there has found the same thing you know and mm. the people who are really into it you know you can plot these lines that flow almost straight through england in some cases i mean north to south you know mm. and i'm i'm sure they're the same in france if somebody actually went and plotted them yes without any question yeah, oh, I don't doubt it. Um, let's switch gears a little bit. Okay, uh, I'm going to go back to one of uh, Sissy's questions. I, I think we ought to say something complimentary about the wonderful Fulgis coffee people because you've forgotten, haven't you? I haven't. I was letting yeah. you speak, actually. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, I'm in a good house. I know. Um, <laughs> okay, we're going to just do our. Uh, <laughs> I don't do it as well as Amelia. I'm not used to having to do it midway, but. Uh, uh, if you guys are just tuning in, you are tuning in to The Outer Realm. We are broadcasting live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM in the beautiful city of New Orleans, fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers. Come on, Hamilton. Get that up oh, there. Sorry, sorry, yeah. <laughs> right. Wonderful friends of ours at Folgers Coffee. Wonderful people. That's right. Wonderful people. Yeah. That's right. Well, then we've got mm. Folgers who have been 
again, instrumental in us being here two nights a week. Thank you very much. And big thank you to Justin Snicker, the sonic surgeon, Dr. Snick, who is responsible for the intro and the outro. Big thank you to Steve McGinnis, who is the artist behind all of our logos and his creativity. When I say, this is what I want, this is what I get. So perfect. Right. Check him out. Yeah. So tonight... Of course, we are all here um, to listen to our friends and regular guests pretty much now. They're almost like co-hosts are here so much. <laughs> Hamilton White and Richard Stanley, who we love. And the chat room is, is lighting up. And we've got uh, all kinds of people who are tuning in. And I have no doubt that there are millions of people tuning in, actually. So, um yeah, I'll bring him on because um, this coffee's great and um, fabulous. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. In the morning, yeah, ain't nothing going on. I'm ready for any questions I got. I know, I know. Yeah, because people, we need to remember that it's very late for Hamilton and for Richard right now on the other side of the world because there's actually what an hour is it two hours between France and England? I think it's an hour, right? It's an hour, isn't it? I That's think France hour. and England. I don't know what time is it? It's about half past three in England. What time is it over with you? Hang on. It's, um, yeah, half past four here. In the there side. we go. Okay. So don't tell me these guys aren't champions. <laughs> they're here. They're doing this live. <laughs> Okay, Cece had a question we're going to go back to. She okay. wanted to know. Um, there we go. I'm going to put it right up for you guys. There we go. Is the Otteron book still on hold? Talk about that, Richard. Richard? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to talk about that. Um, okay, so, um, yeah, I've been um, struggling uh, um, mightily to um, to get this book to um, to the public. And here we're talking about, um, yeah, the Last Crusade, the quest for SS Augustum Fiera Otto Wilhelm Rahn, um, which is the full encapsulation of the 30 years that I've been on the case, so including um, a lot of the the, um, the best stuff dug up out of the 10 years that I was at Montsegur. There's a, a fair amount of stuff in there. Um, it's yeah, densely researched. Uh, it, it's kind of a bumper book for future mystery hunters because I tried to put as many um, primary sources and maps and genealogies and stuff in there for the folk who come after me to be able to work with. Mm. But we do need to find a way of reproducing it and um, getting it to the public because otherwise, like Henry or Yorani's stuff, if it dies with me, it's no damn use. Exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> we, we, we do out there and I, i've gotten so superstitious but about the number of things that have um stopped that from happening over the um the last little long while that until we succeed in actually getting that manuscript out there i'm, I'm going to remain um with my dukes up because um thus far um yeah we we we, we haven't um been able to get the blessed thing published which is um the current reason being the um the paper shortage, thanks to the um, the war in the Ukraine, and the um, skyrocketing cost of everything, which is um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to buy printer ink out here is maddening. I mean, it's wow, gone up to really? forty to sixty euros just for an ink cartridge, and mm. the cost of the paper Same here. and the very expensive. Yeah, to try and actually print the damn book uh, 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 and keep it within a range where anyone can afford it, or, mm. and 
have any chance of actually recouping and um, balancing the books has been um, so uh, so far the struggle. It's, uh, we don't want to mm. be in a position where we have to actively pay um, folk in order to get the yeah. book out because we, we can't subsidize it. No, um, no, no. That's, that's tough. That's a tough spot to be. Yeah, we do need to put that thing. Do need to put that material out there, and mm -hmm. um, just like trying to actually get the stones classified and analysed, I'd be very sorry if I end up exiting this life and um, mm -hmm. without achieving those objectives. So they're definitely mm -hmm. serious um, <laughs> boxes I'd like to tick and things on my bucket list. Right, right. Well, I mean, I th I think it's now having to look at going down the print-on-demand route, which a lot of sort of authors seem to be going down, it mm. just simply isn't possible for anybody to go out and print the type of book that this is that's 450-odd pages, 250 photographs. You're printing an encyclopedia. Yes. You know, it, mm. The actual cost to produce a book is 50% more than you're ever going to retail it for. It's true. You know, the only way that it seems to be plausible now is this print on demand that I'm not entirely sure how it works, but everybody is telling me this is what you need to go and do. Mm -hmm. And I think if something doesn't happen within the next sort of month, two months, I don't think there's any other way around it. We've got really got to look at that. And, um, you know, it, it's annoying because you'd like to have a pile of 50 books and go somewhere and have a little do in an event and, you know, do mm. a proper old fashioned book launch. I think you would just have to order a bit more. That's all. Like for when you had an event, you just bite the bullet and without having a huge surplus maybe, just yeah. sitting there. I mean, know? maybe that works if you can order 50 books and they're a little bit more expensive. You'd swallow mm. it, but you can't go and do a minimum order of a thousand books no. at 20 pounds a book not for a book that retail at 20 pounds you know it's just like oh hang on a minute mm -hmm. it's very very difficult so mm -hmm. i don't know i mean that's one of the first jobs on on the job sheet for january is go and learn about print on demand and let's actually sit and talk to people who've done it and can we make it work that way mm -hmm. yeah it's been a running problem i think throughout the entire mystery because um really i don't think anyone's um been preserving any of this material um no, has had any real interest in it mm -hmm. i mean Hamilton, um you found that i mean initially we wanted to keep henry's um books in the zone yep. uh, initially the plan was to try to create some it kind of room or a place yep. here in the zone where yep. um material could be preserved and where people could have access to it yep. uh, um yeah to which we encountered a, a complete yeah, an utter um, lack of interest. That's um, crazy. That that I'm, I'm gobsmacked with that. I just am. I'm completely yeah. gobsmacked yeah. with that. Alan but, Farrell's son can't get his dad's work printed for the same reason that the Otto Rahn book printed. It's too mm. expensive. Oh, wow. And um, wants to try and get his dad's stuff out there. None of it's digitized, so, yeah. so not available. Um, mm. There's yeah, thousands of pages of Urani's mad stuff, which lives only on on my hard drive, which is mm -hmm. again um, not available to uh, yeah to anyone. And um, I, I mm -hmm. think there's only one or two of Woods's diagrams out there on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, or, yeah. or Ninety percent of it is again not available on um, yeah. uh, on Google search. Um, mm -hmm. most of the stuff is, yeah, in danger of disappearing, or uh, unless it's that would be tragic, 
by private collectors, yeah, like uh, um, mm. like yourself, Hamilton. No, no, yeah, outside of private collections, there's no da no database, no, no museum, no, no library, yeah. um, no foundation, and yeah, no structure for yeah. actually, um, yeah, yeah, preserving I, I, this unruly body of data. Yeah, I mean the the sort of possible little light at the end of the tunnel is Sean Williamson who inherited all of Andrew Sinclair's paperwork. Mm -hmm. He's been trying to find something to do with that. And I think he's talking to some place up in Scotland with a view to, well, can we get Andrew's stuff up in Scotland in some institution? And there was a vague idea that, well, maybe that would work if you could get Henry's stuff up there and combine the two together, maybe. So I don't know. I've left that in Sean's court to sort of chase up. He's back in Scotland now for the next six months. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that would work if there's a Scottish institution that would take it on. I, I'm, you know, I'm not fixed on who has it or where it goes. It just needs it to be of some use. Yeah, exactly. To see great researchers end yeah. up having their, their information just put out there. Um, I'm just going to touch on a couple of questions. One, Bart is asking, how did the Knights Templar see this as a holy land in the zone? It's a good you question. Know, that's a wild question. And I think that's one of the questions that would be absolutely fascinating to have an answer to. <laughs> there we go. They, okay. They They're everywhere. For some reason, they did. I mean, the density of Templar castles in and around the zone area is mm. vastly disproportionate to anywhere else. Right. You know, the traditional thing with castle building is you built a castle a day's mm. ride from another castle. So as you always had somewhere to stay when it got dark. That's right. Why do you need a castle? And another castle on the end of the pentagram that's a two-hour ride. I don't know. Yes. I really don't know. No there's a little mystery, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's an argument that says, well, when you go back in mm. history, the border between France and Spain was changing frequently. Mm -hmm. And there was little incursions and the French built castles to keep the Spaniards out. Right. But that isn't really what the Templars were doing. They were an entirely independent little bang gang of people doing mm. their own things and building their own castles. They weren't particularly aligned and getting involved in that kind of right. warfare. Mm. But that doesn't explain why they needed so many castles. Why did they need to look over passes and certain areas from every angle? Don't know. Mm. Wish I did know. Richard, yeah. what do you think? Well, again, I guess the, the other question we talked earlier on was um, to do with this, um, our, view, our view on the, um, the the Mary Magdalene issue, Mary M and the um, the Merovingian bloodline. Right. And um, mm. yeah, there's certainly um, folk who believe it. Right. Um, I, I think the evidence is strong that there was some kind of um, proto-Christian um, baptismal um, cult out here. Mm. Uh, um, whether it was re whether um, Mary Magdalene herself was really here, we'll never know because um, mm. one of those things, one of the things we do, we do not have their DNA. I mean, no one has ever um, been able to um, get, come up with the DNA of um, Christ or Mary Magdalene. 
There's literally no way of actually proving the claims of the different right. um, alleged descendants of um, Christ and Mary Magdalene because mm -hmm. there's the, right. um, right. you, you, we, we, we can't say whether anyone is carrying Christ's DNA or not. Yeah, you know. So, yeah, um, whether the Templars were here to guard the bloodline or not, that, that's a, a, a theory that a lot of people mm. put forth uh, for, as a reason for the, um, yeah, the, um, yeah, the Templars being here. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, <clears throat> whether that bloodline exists and whether it's um, whether mm. it's the blood of Christ and Mary Magdalene or the blood of something else. Um, is an open question. <laughs> um, <laughs> God, we do not have enough time to talk about this. Uh, I'm with King Keith. There goes <laughs> part two. Yes, yes, I think we should Probably. definitely do a part definitely. two. You know, I, I mean, hell to the ass. <laughs> why do you build a castle anywhere? You either build it for your own safety or you build it because it's guarding something within an area that needs guarding, be it I agree. Yes. valuables, be it property, be it farmland. I don't Knowledge. know. You don't go to the trouble of building all of these places mm -hmm. unless there's a specific reason for it. You know, it's, I don't know, so it's just fascinating. It, it kind of goes back to, to the story that I had heard, you know, like even from my grandfather that goes way back when people from this town went in and bought up all these little parcels of land around Renless Chateau. Hmm. And it was a Templar, it was a Templar town. Templars did come from this area in Northern France. So it makes you wonder, you know, like why? This, maybe it's the same ideas as you have these, these, these Templars building and everything's according to Henry <laughs> focuses right back to Rand, even though it's not like technically at the center, you know, like the, I find the other mountains is, are, are a lot uh, more powerful with energy. Well, there's, there's always been, <clears throat> certainly in the earlier days when I was here, there was a constant bickering going on between different parties as to which place was the was, was the, tr the true power point and where the true treasure was. And it kind of, <laughs> yeah. there was a, there's constant bickering between, um, Brenda Chateau and um, Bucharash, uh, <laughs> um, between Bucharash and Montsegur. Uh, yeah, well. is a heck of a thing, and Bezu is where um, the They're all powerful was. places. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know? I think why we ended up um, <clears throat> utilizing the term the zone to cover the whole area because. Um, <laughs> Keep everybody happy. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah the Brenda um, Chateau mystery or the. Um, yeah, the mm. Bukharak uh, it made more sense to um, just assume the entire region is a bit off. And um, mm -hmm. it's quite likely that some of the most powerful places are the ones that get written about the least, like um, <clears throat> the Tabor, that big mountain behind uh, Montsegur that's being vaporized by the Emrys group, is a heck of a thing. And, um, <clears throat> mm. Hmm. Well, again, Hamilton goes quiet. Okay, I want in. What am I not being told? <laughs> no, it, it is that. It is what Richard says. Sometimes it's the places you've never even heard of. I mean, it, down in the summer, we went up to a little tiny church called Saint Salvaire, which is yes. three or four miles up a road from Alet Le Ban. I'd never even heard of it. Hmm. And it's 
it's nothing special to look at. It's a little tiny, almost abandoned hamlet. It's a tiny little church. You know, I think they're saying it's sort of Middle Ages, but it's certainly got earlier elements to it. Mm. And it's all open. There's not a lot in it. But when you go in, almost as you come through the door, there's the most peculiar column just sticking out of the floor. And it's not symmetrical to the building. It's just it just sticks out of the floor, sort of 10 foot from the door. And I mean, if you're That's in the least idea. bit sensitive to energies, whoa, it's like putting your hand on an electric fence. That. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah. you know, I'd never even heard of the place, but it had got so much about it. But I mean, I have now read in, in some of Henry's works, that was one of the places he would take selected people to see if they would pick something up from it. But right. it, you'd never find it by accident. I mean, it's up a little country lane. Mm -hmm. When you drive past it, it just looks like a very dull nothing. But wow, it's so pokey. It really right. is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've read some other things subsequently of other people who've been up there. And mm -hmm. um, exactly the same thing. It's whatever this column is. You know, the church has obviously been built around it. It's either been some mm -hmm. sort of early Christian site. It could have been a pre-Christian site. Nobody knows again. They think the floor is possibly Roman. But, mm. you, you know, if you were building a church, common sense tells you it would all be symmetrical. And if you're building it around this powerful thing, it would be in the primary place at the altar or right in the middle. And it's not. It's just this kind of complete random. It's, it's really bizarre. <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, yeah. It really is yeah. wonderful. I can mm -hmm. see it not the bug. Yeah, totally. totally. I, I think we need a full just sponsored outside broadcast for next year, a live broadcast from some interesting places around Europe. Well, maybe you guys need to just, you know, um, get your own show on the network. I know somebody can probably make that happen. And um, maybe we could see about full just sponsoring you. Because here's the cool thing is that we're opening up a bunch of daytime slots which would be more evening time for you guys. So you would hit prime oh, time wow. of your neck of the woods. Wow. Oh, yeah, but this 3 a.m. is actually a great time for me to be doing <laughs> Hamilton's like, nah. -uh. <laughs> the, 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 the zone is silent. There's no traffic out there. Everyone's, you know, ain't nothing going on. There's no, no one could possibly attack my perimeter fence. Um, I'm completely, completely on it. Everyone out there is either asleep or dead. Uh, so, but that yeah. means you would have to be doing a show like on my time spot, and I don't really not think I'm ready to give it up yet. <laughs> no, I don't think you should. Oh, do you're right. Yeah, I kind of like it, you know. Like Millie and I've kind of grown attached to our time spaces, <laughs> but um, no, no, I don't think you know we'd be any good at doing this without you. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, God knows what mess we get into left on our own devices or getting no, somebody else in. Or... Oh, gosh. Leave you two alone at your own devices. Can we say shenanigans? <laughs> Regular can shenanigans. Can try. Uh, no, we don't pick them. Uh, they sure pick us. Uh, one. That's true. Oh, God, they don't laugh. They really do. But, you know, like, a lot of things are slowly getting ironed out. I think next year should be a little bit more peaceful, put it that way. Right. 
well, no, one way or the other, they will be a little bit more peaceful because they are going to be sorted out. Okay, let's let's talk about that because we, you know, we've got about ten minutes um, to, you know, finish mm. up our two hours. So, what mm. what do you want to put out there, you guys? You go, 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 go. What do we want to put out, Rich? I don't know. What do we want to put out there? What do you think? I want to put out there. Wow, there's just so much. It's um. But I mean, I guess we just have to ration it. I mean, in um... well, you're, you're back on um, February 23rd. Okay, everybody, mark your calendars because I know people are saying when's part two. Yeah, if I can um, just reduce this to a nutshell, one thing that really yes. burns me up is that um, there's um, we've seen an awful lot of shows out there, um, and here I'm thinking um, Oak Island and. Um, ancient basically i'm um, giving us um show after show based on little more than a bent nail or um pure proposition and um in the meantime we're, we're um we've got our asses parked on um reams of research not only that actual um artifacts mm. um hamilton's um sitting on some things which um I can't talk about, but which I can't believe are, we, we cannot put before the public. It's the same, you know, we've already had the example of the, the of the meteoric, um, the black stones around some yes. um, meteoric grail. We cannot get that um, analyzed. We can't, um, we, um, so far I've not found anyone who's prepared to, um, to classify them or they exist. Um, and I, I would like to, I would like someone to prove they exist and to, to either tell them what they are or to um, mm. give them a scientific name and place them within mm. a known taxonomy because they no, physically categorize them in one form or and, another. Just um, there make are a decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actual, yeah, um, gen yeah, artifacts in um, certainly in Hamilton's possession and a few bits and pieces here, yes. which um, I, I think um, are. are, are provide proof for some e e extremely um wild material like um you know ham some of the stuff you're sitting on hamilton is, yeah yeah uh, I, I mean there is an agenda you know for what's acceptable to be put on normal regular broadcasting the agenda is set and they will mold you around it and it just doesn't actually work unless you want to sell out i mean i think the answer is Perhaps trying to get some form of <coughs> online, uh, what do you call it? Um, oh, is it Patreon or the, you know, even if it's a YouTube channel and resurrect the whole lost relicy things, but actually do it where me and Carl and Richard and or anybody else who's involved with it, where you can actually stand there and present facts as well, opposed actually, to being. This network yeah. is going to Roku. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, starting the, in January. Surprise. Okay. I mean, the oh. the general broadcasting media just won't take on provable facts. They yeah. would rather have sensationalized nonsense than mm. actually let you stand there and go, right? I've got this. It doesn't actually fit the agenda at the moment. But here it is. It's on the table. We can actually put it on the table and show mm -hmm. it to you. So it does exist. Mm -hmm. it, 
it's just not what the regular broadcast media seems you know, to want. You almost have to go independent. Like like I said, the network is going to Roku. That'll take us to Apple TV. That'll take us to Amazon. That will take us to Samsung TV. We're just expanding like crazy because there's no censorship. Because we can put what we want on it. Yeah. And, and that's what I think you need to do. I think you're right. If I can um, pick that up, I think it's beyond uh, um, or just the um, what the template that the broadcasters and that Netflix and the History Channel try and um, force onto the material because um, some of the stuff is truly challenging. I mean, if that's a a, 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 a mineral element. Or if mm -hmm. you have actual proof of, um, yeah, a, um, ancient Jewish usage of Temple Mount or the site of um, the Temple of Solomon, mm -hmm. or, um, uh, or or artifacts from the um, the bottom of the ocean that are, are, are technological anomalies that that we can't get these things onto television. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of these things, they are real, and we can prove they are real. And if anyone is prepared to actually do the analysis and to do the science, um, you know, uh, I, I think could be potentially interesting. I, I'd hate to um, to have a, um, a new mineral element and um, fail to have it um, identified in my lifetime. And um, mm. you know, things mm. like those... The anomalous technology taken from the ocean floor, mm -hmm. um, unless um, that's um, brought into the um, the public consciousness, it'll end yeah. up, you know, in a shoebox once we're dead. And um, it's true; you know, have to do yeah. something with it. <clears throat> it. Stuff needs to be placed before the public while we're still breathing. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, we we tried me and Carl with the relicy thing. You know, we've got some fabulous wartime stories. I mean, you know, some of the the topics that we've tried to cover. Yeah. Nothing, yeah. You just go total blank. And I mean, stuff's cropping up all the time. I mean, I'm not actively seeking anything at the moment. Mm. Uh, you know, I just don't need it. I've got so much around me. But when you're known as to, well, ah, yeah, we know, yeah, we know who you are. I mean, I had a guy turn up here on Christmas Eve, who's a mate of mine I don't see very often. Oh, oh, we've heard you're back in town. We thought we'd pay you a visit. Out comes a polythene bag. Oh, got something. We don't know what to do. Can you deal with this for us? Which is, hang on, give me a sec. <laughs> I love to go and tell. And I love it. <laughs> Henry was all about demonstrable proofs. <laughs> oh, all right. Di direct from the family of a survivor of one of the concentration camps. It's been hidden in the loft since 1945. Fantastic story. You know, I've got four sets of these uniforms. Everyone's got a fantastic story you could tell about it. Right. We just can't get anywhere. Can't get anywhere at all. So, you know, another fantastic piece that's unbelievably important. I've just got piled up around me again. And to try and get any factual information out there and try and actually tell a proper story, it's just banging your head against a brick wall. Mm -hmm. You know, as Richard says, if you've got a bent nail or some pieces of wood, oh, flipping heck, you're a genius. And you come back next week because next week you're definitely going to find a gold bar. 
You know, it's nonsense. No, I don't even watch it anymore. It's a sample of a hitherto, yeah, a, a unknown um, substance, unclassifiable by science. Yep. Or you've got um, sonar scans and satellite photographs mm -hmm. and artifacts indicating yep. um, anomalous um, structures on the on, on sea floor. You yeah, can't we've get talked about that. Yeah, yeah exactly. which is um, blows my mind. It's like I, I'm very happy for uh, for real science to prove me wrong, to prove that um, mm -hmm. we're we're completely, um, you know, chasing um, chimeras, um, seeing patterns where there are none, or to prove that the um, stones fit into a known taxonomy. I would like, I would love an explanation, but mm -hmm. uh, um, to simply be stone walled the entire time and have. Yeah. Uh, 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 and find that you can't publish the material, you can't get it analyzed, you can't get it onto television, you can't um, actually tell anyone about it, is, um, yeah, it, it's super bizarre. The most extraordinary treasures simply end up um, gathering dust on the yeah. on the mantelpiece and becoming um, you know, curiosity pieces for... Um, you need to just uh, find the right director, the right producer, um, who would take it on, who's just well-connected, but who can afford, you know, to pay for their own productions. They don't have to rely on other people to do it. And that way, it's it's a whole different ballgame, you know. Yeah, I really mean, the is. whole, the reliquy concept that we almost got going, me and Carl, I mean, the first series was great. There was so much potential in it. Mm -hmm. If that could be resurrected, but you actually do it as a factual program, yeah. You know, the number of topics that you could do with that, mm -hmm. if you if somebody would turn around and say, well, okay, let's make a proper factual program because we understand why this stuff is important, you could blow every pseudo-history program off the planet because not one of them who's broadcasting on any channel mm -hmm. at the moment can put anything on the table. Nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, and you look at the money that's being thrown around making these programs and what it's actually generating i understand from the film company's point of view right we're selling it all around the world and it's broadcast everywhere right but it's rubbish it's made up you know and this this latest batch of people who call themselves theorists well <laughs> hang on a minute i thought you had researchers and you had experts that's that seems to be the buzzword now you're a theorist I mean, yeah. basically, that just means I have a theory, which means I've just made something up because I want to come on television or write a book. Maybe you're doing yeah. it wrong. Maybe you need to call yourself a theorist. Well, another trend I've seen, particularly in social media, is there's an active um, distrust of experts. And yeah, well, the assumption that if you're an actual qualified archaeologist or the, mm. that somehow you're the enemy. Uh, or Completely. I and um, there's a way in which people have sort of demonized um, real science mm. um, and uh, uh, sort of assume the two things can't coexist. Mm. Um, um, really, there needs to be a synergy because um, the stuff needs to be um, to be be brought over into academia. I yes. want real archaeologists to look at to look at Montsegur. I want real archaeologists to look at the um, the initiatory caves. I want to know mm. how old those things really are. I want to be able to use the same technology they used to date the um, 
the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem to oh, be able to paint any walls in Montsegur. Yeah. I would like to apply rail science to, I'd like to get a, um, a spectrographic analysis done of the uh, of, of the stones. Mm -hmm. I would like to, to, to bring the stuff into, um, into rail science. And if we could actually get the data, if you could get proof that, um, of say, of that um, anomalous technological um, debris that's in your possession, Hamilton, yep. from the, yep. uh, 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 yeah. then you've already got something which would, um, which, which would go a ways towards um, shoring up their wild theories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, at, at the moment, Graham Hancock is being absolutely torn to shreds by the whole world for I daring know. to suggest I... that, oh, civilizations are older than everybody thinks, and artifacts, well, we can't date them as accurately, and everything seems to I be much older. And yeah. he's being shredded like you won't yes. believe by yes. people who haven't actually got a clue and have got no evidence. Mm -hmm. Well, we were me and Richard were talking about this about actually trying to get hold of Hancock and just say, mate, we've got a whole box full of stuff. Do you want to take this away and go and put it on some tables? Because we can actually prove everything you say is correct. Maybe you need to collaborate no. with Graham Hancock. Yeah, I mean, it, it saying, can guys. be done, but it just seems that either the public or whatever the powers that be that are in control of the broadcasting authorities simply don't want to know. They want the well, yeah, public that's, kept That's the thing. Uh, I hope that's not have. true. Uh, but... Um, it, there, there, there is an issue with the fact that this a lot of this material has been occult for a long time, um, mm. because um, it's been persecuted for a really long time. There's been hundreds of years where um, anyone who's known anything about any of this stuff has been killed, tortured, or burned at the stake. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> we've, simply, we've simply assumed in our own lifetimes that that no longer holds true and that we can um, swan in there and um, and say, hey, there's this in, there's this and this. And, mm -hmm. uh, and in fact, what we're discovering is that it's actually not possible to talk about a, a whole range of these subjects. Right. I, and um, Nick, uh, I've been hopping from foot to foot trying to get this um, round thing in front of the public for so long now that mm -hmm. uh, like trying to get <laughs> analysed that I'm starting to wonder if it'll you know if it will ever happen in my lifetime or if there isn't some um, algorithm or uber force which uh, is Tamara yeah. made a good point because maybe you guys just need to get some pre-orders. <laughs> Oh, I've known people who've done it. They get pre-orders. They get prepaid in advance ah. for the book. It's like Funnily you want enough, a book, pre-orders. They get paid in advance. They print the book, mm. and then they then it's good to go. I've known authors who have done it very successfully. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's out of my sort of sphere of understanding. Maybe it's possible. I just simply don't know. I've because seen it happen. It seems to be yeah. the easiest way now for authors to do this, this print as you go. They're like, okay, how many pre-orders that are paid for? How many people want it this much? This is how many books get paid. You get your profit. Maybe. You get the book paid for. It gets printed. It gets shipped. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, you know. we, we have we do know somebody up in Andorra that does very interesting history books on the Pyrenees, and that's the method he uses. There you go. And yeah. maybe we need to go and pay him a visit. You know, it's yeah. finding it somebody who, who actually does it that can yeah. sit and explain it to you sure yeah.
Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad. Again, people, mark your calendars for February 23rd when these two gents are back with another. um, They'll have something new to talk about at this point as well. And then we can continue on, um, you know, from here because people are just like hanging on and we're slowly going over the two-hour mark. And believe me. Can I bring this back to Henry before we close? Yes, of course. Go, go, go. Um, Closing, I'd like to bring this back to to, Henry Lincoln. Okay. uh, Who's real name Henry Soskin. I I should also note that it it probably didn't just start with that book, with the treasure Maudit, the one that Hamilton has. Because one of the weird things about Henry is he was an actor before he was a writer. Oh. And um, there's an obscure French movie by um, George Franju called Red Knights, a.k.a. Shadow Man, in which um, Henry Lincoln acts. And right. He plays a, um, a British writer-researcher who is utilized by a secret society to write a, a, a best-selling novel um, about a phony Templar treasure. Um, which uh, and, and the crazy thing is Henry plays the part in old age makeup. He plays it as as old Henry wearing a white beard, right. but it's ten years before the treasure body and has pretty much the the same outline as everything that he says uh, later in Holy Blood and the Holy Grail. So it's kind of smoking right. gun evidence that Henry was um, thinking about it at least ten years before he admits to be fascinating. Thinking. That's um, fascinating. Um, then um, I got I got over here. Um, we were just in that show and tell thing. Uh, okay, another show and tell. Let's do it. Yeah, a note that fell out of Genesis. Oh, um, um, it's from David Wood to Henry. Um, from Woods's address in Owl's Nest Wood, which is a bit like you and Licky and Hamilton. No, it is yeah. in a Harry Potter kind of way. Everybody here seems to look at the end of the yeah, so he's, he's writing from Owl's Nest Wood in Pembury. Um, and the letter says, um, Dear Henry, I realized from our last meeting that you would prefer to avoid the deeper occult signs that manifest themselves in the Wren Valley. But I feel that it all predates <laughs> 757 and that it is the shrine of the servitor of the pre-Adamite race who was deified in many areas under many titles, the great mother goddess Ishtar. Having accepted this, there is no longer any mystery. Um, Then running on to the the end of it, um, the locations are sometimes confirmed by by the manuscript, sometimes by stones and sometimes by paintings, but all are confirmed. Um, I will go to the valley again to confirm one last location on the ground, and I know that if that is correct, they all are. Rest assured, I will disturb nothing. Sincerely, David. Wow. Um, fabulous. Fabulous. Wow. That's amazing. Ooh. There's this one of those little tidbits that's being you know, hidden away. Yeah. and. And, and but just, now just, it's like everybody got to hear it. We know it exists. <laughs> so, there's there's stuff out there, they, they, which is which is real stuff. And um, yes. I, I wish that there was yes, uh, some way that we could um, share it more fully with you. Yeah, uh, you know what? That would be fantastic. But we'll have to do it again. Uh, quick 
uh, Kurt, who mentions again, he, the, the question about when the book is going to come out, auto rhyme, you're going to have to listen to the archive for that because we covered that a little bit early on and we are out of time, unfortunately. But again, mark your calendars, guys, February 23rd, Thursday. You're on. Yes, and um, you guys are back at that point, and uh, we will definitely, um, you know, continue on and and add another another interesting uh, tidbit as to what you know Hamilton and and uh, has well made me privy to. So we're going to talk about that. I can't say much more than that. I'm sorry, but that's the way it goes. And Hamilton's mm. like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, perfect. So guys, have a fantastic new year. And, um, you know, Hamilton, you know, stay in touch so we can make sure we're on track with we'll this. Yes. We'll okay. <laughs> yeah, and, you too. And blessed 23, uh, 2023 coming up. It is. It is 2023. New year, new adventures, new journey, all that mm -hmm. jazz. So definitely. I know. So thank you guys for, for joining me. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully cool. Amelia will be back with us on the 23rd. And then it's really going to be a party. So <laughs> you know, we'll have our little celebration uh, then when you guys are on. So Perfect. Cool. Good stuff. Good. We will be joining you uh, whenever we just said February somewhere. February rather. 23rd, darling. Okay. okay. Take all care right. one and all. And yeah. Definitely. Happy trails and yeah, may they <laughs> onwards and upwards. Thank onwards you. And upwards. Nice one. Cheers, right. Michelle. See you soon. All Bye. Right. <laughs> Night, guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, guys, we have come to the end, of course, of another fantastic segment here on the outer realm. Uh, so thanks to everybody who tuned in. You guys just rocked it. It was a lot of fun. And um, again, February 23rd. So make sure you guys are there. Big thank you to Richard Stanley and Hamilton White for coming on. What a fantastic collaboration that was. So much information was shared. So much more is coming because I do know about some of said information. So I can tell you it's really going to be amazing. Huge thank you to Folgers. Yes, thank you, thank you for being a part of our journey. Big thank you to Dr. Snick, Justin Snicker. Huge thank you to Steve McGinnis. Thank you guys all for being a part of uh, the Outer Realm family in one form or another. So guys, you want to email us, either head over to the Outer Realm group page, click on the email, or just take the shortcut, the Outer Realm contact at gmail.com. If you're there, no matter how you guys are watching tonight, please subscribe, follow, like, whatever it takes. We appreciate you so much. So most importantly, Happy New Year to you guys. We were going to see you in 2023. Uh, still working on something really amazing because we had to do a switch for next Wednesday. Um, so that'll be a surprise as to what the first show of the year is going to be. But on the Thursday is going to be another roundtable Q&A for episode 300. Oh, whew, right? Yay. So anyway. Everybody have a good time. Be safe out there, and we will see you all in the new year. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye-bye.